Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name may or may not be Todd Exenball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. We have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Jamie Wright, also known as the Very Worst Missionary. Now, that's quite the title there. That's a name. Like, it's better than the Todd Father, I feel like. Yes, I would By the way, so. I feel like it's catching on. That's just in your mind. I, I don't think so. Anyway, we are talking with Jamie about her journey from starting as a missionary and what she learned through the process and how her views on missions and being a missionary has changed. And you This may is going to be controversial. It will be. It will especially be. for church people. But again, as we, whenever we talk about stuff like this, something that may rub you the wrong way... Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to them and their experience. And so we would just say, take that same approach with this interview, even if you don't agree with everything, because you can still learn something from someone, even if you don't agree with them on everything. And also, she's just a fascinating human being. Yes. Um, her story and just, if you want, if you're curious about her story, she has a website. Yep, check out her website. Yeah. You can go look in the show notes for that. It'll yep, be there. She's got a blog, but, all that stuff. But there. It's, I mean, and, and by the way, her blogs, her blog is is really good. I've, I've yes. read some of the articles on it. Very, very, very good blog. Go check that out. Um, if language is a problem for you with like swear words and stuff, just know get that, over that, it. That those are going to be there, you know. Um, but phenomenal stuff. Great, great person. I love this interview just because I think that it's such a different view on missions. Then I think that if you're if you're in church world, or you don't even have to be in church world, if you're just looking at um, helping like helping people who are who who need help, this is a very difficult interview to listen to just because uh, of, of some of the things she's talking about. Fascinating information, love doing it. But Caleb, we need something. We need our learners' corner approved resource of the week. What is it? My resource of the week is a podcast. And I've been listening to this podcast for for a while. Is it, it Learner's is, Corner? No. Though that is a Learner's Corner approved resource of the week. <laughs> that's the that's the resource for every week, just the Learner's Corner. Just listen to yeah, the Learner's Corner. Exactly. Just go back, <laughs> listen to it again. No, on a more serious note, the podcast that I'm going to recommend is the Fun Therapy Podcast. Oh, so good. And I think it... It's very. It Ooh. reminds me a lot of what the conversation that we're going to have with Jamie, just because they talk about things really honestly and from yep. a place of vulnerability, and yep. that podcast. And so, if you're wondering what it's about, go look at that. Basically, the title describes itself. It's therapy, but they have fun. But they have fun sometimes. It's deep. It might cause you to cry sometimes. Yes, I would suggest going back and listening. This happened a while back, probably more than a month now. Probably about five weeks ago, the Margaret Feinberg episode. Did you listen to that? That thing was ridiculous. It's, it's just, it's all good. Woo! It's all good. So that's our Learner's Corner podcast recommended resource of the week. Bada bing, bada boom. We almost start saying that. Please don't. Oh, let's start. Now, here is our conversation with Jamie Wright. Well, Jamie, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You know, just as we get started, you know, can you just tell us what originally made you want to get involved with missions? 
Um, you know, it was a combination of like a genuine interest in um, the, like the global work of the church and also a lot of just really innate stupidity and idiocy on my own part <laughs> mixed with maybe some arrogance. I don't know. I think it was, um, I was sort of, uh, along with my husband and children doing like the suburban church thing in Northern California, just kind of very typical evangelical suburban church. And I was already experiencing like a sort of disintegration of it wasn't a faith. It wasn't a faith crisis. It was more like a crisis with my understanding of the church and what it should be. And so, um, when we sort of felt this interest in, um, moving abroad and, and pursuing missions, it was sort of like, yeah, we can, we can go do something different. Like we can go, you know, get away from this kind of brokenness and and go do something new and fun and fresh. And I, you know, I think part of it is I just didn't recognize that the missions world, there's so much brokenness in it because it's a symptom of this big broken church. But the, the initial interest was like, yay, world travel. <laughs> and and like, oh, we're going to, God's going to use us. And, you know, all the dumb stuff that Christians what, say, like. Was there fear there? Did you guys, did you guys have that moment where you were like, oh crap, we're going to go do this? Um, it was mostly exciting. There was definitely fear as far as like for my kids, because I felt not for them, but I felt like I was. I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to, you know, make them suffer or feel lonely or whatever. So there was that kind of sense of like, oh, is this, this, um, sorry, is this going to be bad for our kids long-term? And, um, but there was never really like, I mean, we went to Costa Rica, so it wasn't like, oh no, we're going to be in danger. (laughs) Like we went to a primo vacation spot to live. (laughs) Nice weather all the time. How old were they when you guys went? They were seven, nine, and eleven when we left the U.S. So, like, critical yeah. formative years. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> They're <Okay>. pretty bitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you talked about how um, you know initially you kind of go in with this mentality of you know I'm going to Costa Rica, I'm going I'm going to help people, and then you know as you know as you read the book and even your blog, you see that your perspective starts to shift as it comes to missions. Can you just talk to us a little bit about kind of like when that began and how it played itself out? Yeah. You know, it, it started, my disenchantment with missions started very quick, like five minutes after I got into the mission field, I was just like, what? <laughs> like, this is weird. And and really it began with um, a language school that we went to because, you know, we would be, when we became missionaries, didn't even speak Spanish didn't even speak the language of the country that um, we thought we were like called to by God to help people. So we had to first go to this language school. And um, when we first got there, there was like an orientation for about 100 missionaries or wannabe missionaries, like freshly minted missionary people from all over the U.S. who were on their way to different countries all over Latin America. And at this orientation, I... I looked around this room and I just was like, this is a really odd mix of people. (laughs) Like there were a lot of real weirdos, like really strange people that you're just like, I don't, we would not be friends like in, in the U (laughs) S like we would not hang out. Um, real, really, really strange kind of, um, social outcasts. And then there were a lot of like, 
just jerks, like arrogant a-holes that were very self-righteous and self-important. And they were, those people were typically pastors who had left, you know, churches to go be missionaries. And they were just like the worst. They were just like not good people. And then there were, you know, people that were just like ignorant and wanted to change the world like me. Like just, I I had no idea to do what I was doing there. And when I kind of like looked around this room and I just thought, oh my God, we're all called like all of us. We all have this like mentality that God called me to do this thing. So I'm going to go do it. Um, and I, I just thought, oh, there's no standards. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no bar. It's just whoever raises their hand and volunteers gets to go. And, um, I thought that was just really weird. And so as we settled into life and spent more time with missionaries and, you know, made friends and had all these conversations that just became clear that there is an arrogance to showing up in somebody else's country under the guise of serving Jesus or being called by God when you are not trained, don't speak the language, don't know the culture, don't know the people, um, that is really uh, almost exclusive to the North American church. Like we have the market on just flying around the world and telling people that we're helping them. Um, and that really, I mean, it just I unfolded over. We were there for five years and it, it just became more and more clear every day that it was just like, oh God, we really, this might've been a mistake. Was that something that you saw across the board in terms of that? Was that just a Costa Rica missionary thing or was that more, I know you said that it was like, you, we, America has the market on that. Was that something that was really across the board from what you saw? Absolutely. It's across the board. And when I started writing honestly about it, um, the droves of missionaries all over the world that came forward or came to me privately or messaged me or came forward on my blog. Um, they were, the agreement was just like, Oh yeah, for sure. Was there, sure. So you you talked about how, you know, you guys were seeing this and when it's as early as when you were in the school, was there a specific moment you can recall when you were like, Oh, this is what this is. Uh, (laughs) Um, there were many, there were many, many moments that kind of all add up. And I, I mean, I, I wrote about one in particular in the book in which, you know, we're just sitting around with this group of missionaries and this one guy, um, he, he was so strange already. Like he was already just so odd and quirky and, you know, like just the kind of guy that kind of follows everybody around and you're like super nice to him. Cause clearly you know, he struggles socially and, but he's so odd. And we're just sitting in this group and, um, sitting, eating, you know, a snack or something between classes. And this, this butterfly lands on a banana in the middle of this table, like an open banana that somebody wasn't finishing. And while we're all talking, this guy leans forward and he just like really slowly, like gets his face closer and closer and closer to this banana. And, um, the rest of us are just chatting, sort of watching him. And as he gets, when he gets right next to this butterfly, he opens his mouth like really slowly. And then he slurps up the butterfly, like, like sucks no. it into his mouth. Oh my God. And I'm just like, uh, my brain exploded. Like, I was just like, what did you do? What did you just do? Why did you do that? Like all of these, I mean, I felt, i I would say I felt bad, but I didn't feel bad. I was just like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's not normal. That's not a normal thing to do. And as I'm saying all these things and everybody's just like, oh, my God, like looking at each other, like what just happened? He leans back like really slowly and then he opens his mouth and sticks out his tongue. And on his tongue is this butterfly unharmed. And it like takes a second, you know, and then it just like 
flies away, flutters away on its own. And I was just like floored, like, dude, what is your problem? Who does that? And he went on to calmly explain that he's just been conducting experiments, you know, while he's in Costa Rica about what animals will let you touch them with um, your hand versus with your mouth. And he was just like, you know, you, you can get really, you can get a lot closer to animals with your mouth than you'd think. And I'm just like, but why would you? <laughs> like, that's not normal. You're not a scientist. You shouldn't be doing these things. Like, that's not okay. And it was just this moment of like, oh, this is a desperate situation. Like, this is, this is a, it's an emergency. We have to fix missions because this is a missionary. <laughs> and if you're a missionary and I'm a missionary and this guy's a missionary, like, what the hell? Like, what are we supposed to do? It was just mm-hmm. such a stark, um, like, picture of, of just, just the ki- the kinds of people that we're sending all over the world. And, and the truth is, I was n- no better because I had my own issues. They were just more private. and um. You know, like I, I was struggle from depression and anxiety. I don't slurp up creatures off, you know, whatever yeah. trees and sticks and logs. But we have something um, in common then, because yeah. I don't do that either. You don't? No, I oh, don't. Surprisingly. Oh. oh my gosh, they're so rare these days. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Jamie, uh, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You talked about how a lot of it comes. Um, you know, especially from this American mentality of um, arrogance as it concerns missions, where, like, why do you think we tend to have that type of um, attitude whenever it comes to, you know, our interactions in the mission field and other countries? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's, I, I don't think it's intentional. I think people, the majority of people, myself included, when they go into the mission field, whether it's long term or short term or whatever, um, I think it's really well-intentioned. I think they really genuinely believe like God is calling me to this work and um, God's going to use me to change the world or to save a life or to change, you know, whatever, share the gospel, whatever it is that they call it or however they want to describe it. Um, But I think the American Jesus is, it's an arrogant, Mm. like it's, he's, it's an arrogant savior that we've, that we have created. I don't think it's an actual picture of like who Jesus really was. Um, and so we have this arrogant, like we have this message in the evangelical church that says like, all you need is Jesus and then everything will be good. So all I have to do is uh, say, apply Jesus like an ointment to the shit that I do all over my life. And then it's good. It's fine. Cause who's going to question me. You can't question me if I say God called me or if I say I did it for Jesus or whatever. Um, and so, you know, the North American church has decided that all, all you have to do is say that you're doing it in the name of Jesus and you can go anywhere in the world and do anything you want. And, and there are no consequences. But it's not true because <laughs> the truth is Jesus isn't all you need. Like sometimes you need expertise and skills and sometimes you need to be able to speak a language and sometimes you need to understand a culture. And um, it, it, so for us to just create this narrative that says um, we, it, it, we just do what we want because Jesus said it's okay is that is extremely arrogant. What? And I don't think it's intentional, but it's true. What's the so you you keep referencing a lot of things, uh, kind of going on and and talking about the arrogance that that goes on in missions. What's like so is that would you categorize that as the major problem or what's going on that's that's to you just really something that needs to be addressed? 
Um, you know, I, I think missions is in general a symptom of a broken church. I don't think that mm. I don't think you could fix missions at this point. I think you need to really, I mean, this is super harsh, but I think I'm like, just burn it down and start over. <laughs> um, but the number one thing that I would hope that we could see in, as far as like reform or change or whatever is that we would eliminate all of the language that we use for missions right now. We would never say missions or missionary or missional again. We would never um, use these catchphrases that we like to use, like planting seeds or loving on people or just showing up. Like we would not, we would actually use language that requires us to describe what we're doing, to um, explain why it matters and to measure our results. Instead of this like spiritual gobbledygook that we just barf all over the world, because it's it's just too easy to keep showing up and do nothing. What are the repercussions of that language? Um, the repercussions are that, that missions has become a $50 billion a year industry with no regulation and no standards of practice and, and like no oversight. $53 billion a year in which we send people all over the world to do projects and to show up in communities and to hand out candy and used clothes and the world is not 53 billion dollars better so i mean i think this language that we use that doesn't require us to actually examine um our motives or our purpose or our results is it's super harmful sure mm -hmm. I, I think that i think that one of the things that you you're kind of addressing is this this facade that i think a lot of folks put up especially um in missions where it's kind of like this this Jesus-y, this Christian thing where they just pretend that everything that everything's okay. You've you've chosen a very different way of approaching missions as well as just kind of approaching your faith. Um just by being honest. Um what what is what are benefits that you've seen by just being honest about this stuff and really painting a true picture of what's going on both in missions as well as in faith? Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing that I've gained from just being honest is that the people around me are honest back. Like it, it's just, it's permission. When, when you have these thoughts or you're having this experience and you sort of share it, um, and invite other people into that space, then they are able to say, I, I've had these thoughts too, or I agree, or here's where I disagree. But, um, it just, I think it elevates the whole conversation. It elevates everybody's um, like the, it elevates the value of everyone's process. When you just say, this is my process, this is what I've been through and this is how I see it. Um, and it just gives the people around you permission to, to share their own. Um, and we learn from each other that way. It just, it's just sure. better for everybody. Yeah. Well, along that same vein, I just wanted you to talk about this for a minute. Uh, you've written an article, you've written articles about this, this type of thing and things like that. But uh, about Christianity and how modern Christianity today tries to just sanitize everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, mm -hmm. they wipe everything, uh, they just wipe everything clean. Uh, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about how you're finding your voice um, amongst, uh, in the midst of this, this sanitization that's going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. And it's, that is very much a part of like the, evangelical control of the Jesus narrative is that good people say good words and bad people say bad words. And, um, and 
you know, like a good evangelical life looks a certain way. And, you know, it's just, it is, it's this very, it's a facade. It's like, if you, it's like the stucco on your house, it really has not a lot of, it's it's not offering anything to the structure or to the um, interior or whatever. It's just this, like, here's this facade Um, and it's delicate. Like, it's just not, it does, it's not deep. And so um, I, I never really felt um, drawn into, well, that's not true. I did feel drawn into it when I initially came into the evangelical, evangelical church as a young adult, I was kind of charmed by like that facade, like, oh, this is what it looks like. And all I need is Jesus and Jesus is going to make my life pretty. And um, if I say these words and I wear these clothes and I do these things, then I'll be a good Christian and everything will be great. But the reality, it didn't, in reality, didn't pan out that way. Um, And as I've sort of followed Jesus for years and years and years, it's become more and more clear to me that, um, like, who I am is not somebody to be ashamed of and, or to like, and my ability to use the English language, including whatever words, you know, are applicable in a moment, um, is not, is not a sin. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like breaking down that facade for me, it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, like an intentional thing. It just happened. And as it's happened, I've seen how valuable it is because again, when you, when people see who you really are, it gives them permission to be themselves. And um, there's a gift in that, like, especially when you're as a follower of Jesus, like, especially as someone who believes that they were created by God and are loved, like to be able to say, this is who I am. And um, I'm not super worried about it. If, you know, Joe Blow doesn't approve of my language or my clothing or my life choices. Um, it, it's just, it's, there's a sense of freedom there that I think um, is really invaluable. You, I'm sure that you, you get tons of pushback on, on both that as well as your, your critique um, and just language that you use surrounding um, missions. What, what type of pushback are you getting? And, and, and along with that, um, how do you how do you continue again? I go back to this thing. I keep trying to figure out how you find your voice um, whenever it comes to missions. When that's not the sentiment at all that that most churches have is that hey, our mission stuff is fine, like what we do. How do you con- mm-hmm. how do you push through that? Um, you know, I I talked about this a lot in the book. In that, um, I it's just this is just sort of a a strength of mine <laughs> is not really caring what other people think. Like, it's just sort of like a, like, ah, screw you. I don't care. Like, it's just not that big of a deal to me if people disagree with me or if they, um, don't approve of me or you know, it just doesn't really matter to me. And so for, for me to end up in the mission field, having all of these like thoughts and ideas and like, gosh, this feels so broken. And I'm not sure that we're doing this right. And, um, being honest about it felt like the next natural step in my progression as a human being and as a follower of Jesus. Like I just thought, okay, I need to be honest about this because these are important. This is important. We're sending thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over the world. We're spending billions of dollars. This is not no big deal. This is not, uh, and we're hurting people. Like we're hurting communities with our well-intentioned efforts to help. And so um, it just felt for me, it's, it's a natural fit. And, and the pushback well, I do get it. Yes. And it's, it's funny because it's usually about my language, like, cause I say all the words. Um, and I feel like that is such a cop out. Like when I'm saying, Hey, here are these issues with missions and here's how, um, 
the world is is being hurt by our efforts and and people are like, oh, well, your language. I'm just like, you know, how about you pay attention, you know, re- read the room. We're talking about missions um, and and tell us about that, because it's just such a it's it's such a false thing. Like, I'm going to cling to your language so that I don't have to deal with the um, repercussions of my behavior as a follower of Jesus and a per- as an, and a wannabe missionary. So, you know. I, I just, I give very little credence to the language discussion. I'm so over it at this point. I'm just like, whatever. Um, <laughs> and the missions stuff, you know, the pushback that they get there is like, I just get fired up. I could talk about it all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, I could go round and round with anybody about it because I just think it's, it's so fun to talk about, to be honest. And um, it's so nuanced and complicated and there's so many angles and layers to um, all of it that, like, let's go, let's go, bring it on. Let's t- tell me why you think I'm wrong. And I'll tell you why you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> just <Okay>. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So Jamie, I'm, I'm curious if you were, you know, let's say that you were on a church staff or, you know, an admissions organization or something along those lines. And they said, Jamie, or you were even just giving people advice of, Hey, we, we want to be involved in missions, but we kind of want to be involved in the right way. What advice would you give them? Um, I would advise them to not get involved in, the mis- in missions at all and uh-huh. to instead do a whole lot of research, a whole lot of soul searching, um, and put in a whole lot of effort to find a nonprofit, regardless of their religious uh, whatever um, background or credence or whatever, th- find a nonprofit that's doing good work somewhere in the world and support that nonprofit. And if that includes, for some reason, you going and showing up and helping with something um, and you've, you know, really done the hard work behind figuring out if it's a healthy beneficial project then then do that but um but we gotta we gotta quit missions we just need to ditch it because it's not it's not good it's not healthy there's too much negative there's too much um brokenness tied up tied into it to where it's time to just look in other places if you want to change the world Mm -hmm. would you happen to know any of those types of nonprofits off the top of your head that you would say, you know what, I might look into this one or this one. Um, there are many, I'm a huge supporter of the Exodus road. They work in anti-trafficking and, um, like rescuing uh, victims of sex slavery all over the world. Um, there are gobs of organization doing organizations doing great work in the field of, um, like sustainable business and, um, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, there's just, there's so many great mm-hmm. things, but, but truly like, if you really want to change the world, um, be a teacher or a social worker, <laughs> you know, like go to college, get a degree, become an expert in a field and, um, and do that. I mean, that's really, if you really want to change the wor- world, like take an economics class and understand what happens when you spend the, a dollar or, um, understand how your government works and what happens to your vote. Like these are, these are like, it's hard work and it's boring. Nobody wants to do that stuff, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that's really where it's at. I think for really like significant, meaningful, life-changing stuff. Can you talk about some of the negative impact that happens on the people who, um, who are in the home countries that, you know, either churches or missionaries or people that are that are visiting or staying there. Can you talk about the negative impact that 
um, sometimes their presence or their efforts can have on those home countries? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, anytime that you come into a country and you're like, here's how it's done, son, <laughs> there's going to be a negative. Like there's going to be this feeling of patriarchy and colonial input where you're just sort of like showing up. And, you know, we show up in countries like all over the, the continent of Africa, which is heavily churched. I mean, the there, there are so many like majority Christian nations in the con- uh, on the continent, and we show up and and we want to show them how to do church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you drove past a seminary on your way from the airport to that poor community. Like they have seminary students, they have yeah. pastors and teachers, and so and what we do when we sh- we um, come into these communities is ima- well, we emasculate fathers. <laughs> and husbands, you know, we say, oh, you can't provide for your family. So here we are to build you a little shack, or here we are to show up with clothes for your family. We put small businesses, local businesses out of business by showing up with free goods. Um, We put industry workers and day laborers out of work by showing up with free labor. And it's typically, you know, like 16 year old girls in matching t-shirts that brought hammers from Lowe's to you know, we just there. There's so many layers to the things that we do to um, just really screw with the identity of a community, with um, their their capacity to help themselves, to serve themselves, their ability to find work and sustain work. I mean, there's just, it's 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 so so deep, and it's usually rich white people. Like rich white people show up in poor brown communities. And obviously I'm generalizing and I know that's really painful, I think, for a lot of rich white people to hear, but um, it creates a, a cultural wound that that will take centuries to fix. Mm-hmm. Would you, uh, not through missions, but would you still recommend that people, you know, travel to different countries and see? Oh my God, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I am such a huge fan of vacation. <laughs> I mean, who's not, but, but like when you go on a, a kick-ass vacation, like when you save your money because you worked at a job, not because you like sent out letters to have people give you money so that you could go whatever. But when you save your, like work really hard and save your money and you take your family or your spouse or whoever, and you go to a kick-ass vacation, um, especially to a country that is like, has a developing, um, tourism industry or something like that, like the jobs that you help to provide, like awesome, dignified jobs for hardworking citizens, um, the, the passion and pride that you help stoke in communities and in countries, the, um, the appreciation that you receive of like, uh, and perspective on, on like the globe and the, and the beauty of nature and all of these things, like that is all so good that's all so good and everybody wins like everybody wins when you spend five thousand dollars in in africa or wherever on a vacation um and so you know i just feel like that's uh, that's the way to do it (laughs) (laughs) you know know? okay so I want to go back to, you know, you're, you're just going, um, you know, to your first time at the beginning of your time in Costa Rica. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I would tell her to put on some pants and go outside. 
<laughs> like I, I really withered, um, and, and got really depressed and, and spent a lot of time, like kind of hiding in my own house. Um, but every time I like got up the gumption to just, you know, put on my pants and go outside and hang out with people, um, it was so life-giving and it was so, um, refreshing and, and, and helpful. And, and honestly, it felt natural. Cause I wasn't, oh, I wasn't like walking around Costa Rica telling people, you know, I'm a missionary. Let me tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. Like I had some really beautiful friends there and, um, and I, I genuinely wish I had spent more time with them, mm-hmm. like kind of gotten over. I mean, not, not, okay. Depression is not a thing that you just like get over, but, um, that would be my advice would be like, you're struggling and you're going to keep struggling for five years. So as often as possible, put on your pants, go get some sun, go be with people. You know, that would be it. Yeah. How, uh, how much more difficult was it, you know, just being in a foreign country and, and, you know, dealing with the anxiety and depression, because it's, it's hard enough for me to imagine just being in a foreign country and that just being stressful enough and then just throwing depression and anxiety onto that as well. Yeah. Um, it was, it was rough and I didn't have the language skills to, oh, well, yeah, I didn't, I felt like ashamed to go to the doctor that treated all the missionaries. Cause I was like, am I allowed to have depression when I'm a missionary? Is this allowed? Like, feels like God should have cured this because I made this giant sacrifice for him. Um, but obviously that's not how the world works. Yeah. And, um, so I, but I had that, like I, I had been bargaining with God and I just felt like, like, oh, God's letting me down. And, and I didn't feel, I felt like the, the white American doctor that treated all the missionaries would like judge me. So I didn't want to go to him. And I didn't have the language skills to go to um, a Costa Rican doctor to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. So I, d- I felt like this huge lack of resource. Um, and also this like disappointing spiritual, like, like, wow, God, you really let me down. Um, because I, mistakenly had done a lot of bargaining heading into it. Like if I do this big thing, God will fix me. And when he didn't, it just felt like, well, what the hell, what am I doing here then? <laughs> Which is so lame. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's cool. It's just, um, that's just where it was at. And so, um, it, I felt very isolated and, and very alone, you know? Yeah. So in your time, you know, for writing with your blog, you know, the very, the, the worst missionary and also writing this book, what would you say is, and even, even just with your interaction with missions and everything, what would you say is maybe the biggest lesson or two that you've learned through it all? The biggest lesson. I mean, there's just been so many, <laughs> it's like, there's been so many teeny tiny miserable lessons that have added up to become a whole lifetime, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, the biggest lesson I, for me is just that, um, who who I am is who I was meant to be. And I, I, I guess I, I sort of wish that I had come into that strength, I guess, a little earlier in my life, but, but, um, it just took me a long time to figure out that like, that, um, everything in my life, like my innate personality, the, the person, the little person that God created me to be my soul, my spirit, um, the experiences that I've lived, the education that I have received or not received, um, the parenting, all of these things that like created who I am. Um, that when I, when I really lean into that person, like when I really lean into my strengths as a human being, um, 
and I do it in the in the um, in the context of following Jesus, like amazing things happen. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like doesn't really matter. It, I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff and um, I've had an interesting life, um, but it all adds up to like this moment. And in this moment, when I lean into my strengths and when I meet God, like amazing things happen both in my life and in the lives of the people around me. Mm-hmm. So Jamie, just as we're wrapping up, we always have a couple of questions that we love to ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what's one thing that you've started doing recently that is helping you a lot right now? I'm hiking. (laughs) Isn't that weird? I just hiking. Um, I've never been like a big hiker, but I live in Northern California, which is just so beautiful. I mean, I live, you know, an hour and a half from South Lake Tahoe. I live in a beautiful, beautiful area covered in lakes and rivers. And, um, then I started, yeah, just like, I got these like really cool hiking boots, (laughs) like real hiking boots. They're like clumpy, big, you know, like, I don't know, like lumberjack shoes. And, um, exploring the like nature in and around my the area that I live and it is just it has been so life-giving to me and um it's just yeah it's like it just takes my breath away every time like every single weekend I go somewhere and I'm just like oh my god how is the world this beautiful how how are we this gifted that we or you know this love that we get to experience this it's yeah so hiking that's been my big thing lately that's awesome how how do you learn best um through terrible experiences and lots of time. <laughs> that's that, how I learned about it. Like I have to experience something that's awful and then think about it for a really long time afterwards. <laughs> I feel like, and then I'm like, oh, I learned something. I feel like that's how what like every blogger's response to. Like everybody <laughs> really? who runs a blog, they're I ask them that question, they're like, uh, I just lived through stuff and it was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right it's so, so true uh, but you know that's that i think that a lot of people learn best that yeah. way i guess yep <laughs> if, if you could have everybody learn just one thing and it could be about missions or it could just be about whatever else what would it be um i, I had a heads up on this question i still don't have an answer <laughs> one thing um probably to be kind to themselves I think, I think we're all so mean to ourselves. And, and so if, if everybody could learn, probably by, like if you could learn by the time you're 25 years old, how to be kind to yourself in the midst of everything life is throwing at you and going to continue to throw at you until you die. Um, that would be cool. I think that would be a cool thing to learn. And so what are you learning right now? I'm learning how to be kind to myself. <laughs> <laughs> if it was if i was 25 but i'm in my 40s and i'm still learning but um yeah that's that's pretty much it <laughs> i think i think that's just something that honestly i think everybody struggles everybody mm-hmm. struggles with it. i mean i i struggle i know i struggle with it a lot yeah. and yeah i i agree with you that's a lesson i'm still i'm still learning that as well mm-hmm. it's a rough one yeah well, Jamie, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. If people want to find out more about you, your blog, and find the book, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, they can find me, well, all of that at theveryworstmissionary.com or on social media at, um, well, usually my little handle is like Jamie the VWM, Very Worst Missionary. So Jamie the VWM on like Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Caleb. 
takeaway you had? I think my takeaway from it is just the, the importance of honesty and vulnerability throughout the whole thing. And being being willing to talk about things that are difficult and that even go against the grain. Because Jamie, she just does it really well. And even though everyone doesn't agree with her, she continues to do it and continues to persevere throughout the whole thing. And it's really, it's really made me um, think about, and we've talked about this before on the podcast and on other episodes, but the importance of realizing that just because we're white doesn't mean that we're the saviors for everybody else. And we can, and sometimes we can have, we don't necessarily think that way, but sometimes our actions can communicate that as well. And so being more intentional about that. Yeah. The one thing that I think I, I really got from the conversation with her is the valuing other people's stories. Even if you yes. don't, even if you don't agree with it, like valuing their story. Like, well, I think we run into this a lot with, with things that are racially charged right now, um, where there's this thing and I don't know what it is, but where, um, the majority likes to doubt the stories of the minorities, um, and, and their experience and what they're saying, even if you don't agree with it, I think there, there, there's a lot of value in at least listening and valuing that that is their experience, regardless of if I agree with it. Exactly. Boom. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, we have an episode for you next week that speaking of speaking of minorities and speaking of things like that yes next week we're going to be talking with matt sorens and he is the u.s director of church mobilization for world relief and we are going to be talking with him about immigration refugees and about their his recently co-authored um updated version of the book welcoming the stranger be watching and listening next week might make you uncomfortable as well but again just because something makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that we should ignore it and subscribing so the best way to make sure that you don't miss that next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use whether it's overcast apple podcast whatever you use subscribe the best way to make sure also if this podcast has helped you in any way Leave us a rating, write a review of the podcast. Let us know what you like about the Do podcast. That. Give us some feedback on that and how we can continue to improve. We always appreciate that. Let us know what you're currently learning. Let us know what you learned from this episode. You can find quotes and show notes for everything that we talked about in the sh- in the show notes. You can hit us up on Instagram at the Learners Corner to where we post stuff throughout the week of different things that we're learning about and quotes from this episode and some of our key takeaways from this episode as well. You can also hit us up at Learners Podcast on twitter love it thank you so much for listening to this episode of the learner's corner podcast my name is caleb mason and my name is todd ixenball and until next time keep learning and keep growing deuces y'all